0: So today we're going to have a, um, might be an uncomfortable talk. We're going to have the, the biblical birds and bees talk. Have you ever listened to a young child tell you where babies come from? You know, there's storks deliver babies to your house or, or somehow like ladies just want a, a baby and God somehow rams it into their belly and you guys have heard the kids stories. Well, I want you to imagine what would happen if, if a grown-up never learned where babies come from. And you just imagine like this couple and the, the husband praying, Lord, we pray you would send the stork soon. We, we really want to have a baby and, and we just pray you would send a stork and we're going to leave the window open and hope he'll come tonight. That would be awkward. That would be uncomfortable. And could we say that might be unproductive? Well, when it comes to the question of how a baby Christian is born, I wonder how many of you know the answer. Today we're back in Romans, and the the answer is found there as we pick up at the end of Romans 9, where we were last time. And starting in verse 22, it says, What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory, for vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us, whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles, as indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people I will call my people, and her who was not beloved I will call beloved, and in the very place where it was said to them, You are not my people there. They will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, If the Lord of hosts had not left his offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Biblical birds and bees. How are baby Christians born? Well, we've been in Romans for 33 weeks this Sunday. We were out for eight weeks, so I thought I'd recap the previous 32 weeks for you. We'll be here for a while. Romans 1 You have a little introduction, a little gospel proclamation. And then from verse 18 to 320, righteousness denied. Okay? 321 to 425, righteousness declared. 511 to 839, righteousness and hope. Someone say, Pastor, you could have preached all 32 weeks in three points. No, we'd miss so much. And then after we go through Romans 8 and we see who we are in Christ and the joy of the ministry of the Spirit in the life of a believer and and how God will use all things for the good of those he loves, the objection comes up, but what about the Jews? Did God's word fail? Is God unjust? And Paul's answer is, by no means. And then we got into this wonderful doctrine which, which Quran loves. I mean, he has a shirt he wears at work just says, divine election. Take it or leave it. You don't wear that anymore? We got into this marvelous doctrine of divine election. And it was confusing and unsettling and Palm Sunday and wonderful. Palm Sunday, we looked at 9.14 to 23 and the title was It's Not Fair and I'm just going to play that sermon today and sit down. Well, we're going to wrap up 9 today and prepare for 10 next week. But what I want you to see is Number one, the first way a baby Christian is born is by divine election. Look at verse 24. See those words, even us? Who is that? Believers. And believers are vessels who God prepared beforehand, verse 23, for glory. You may remember eight weeks ago I talked about those two verbs prepared, they're different, one's passive, one active. No one's born in neutral. You're all born hating God. And God decreed before <laughs> that's a little Hebrew. God <laughs> decreed before the foundation of the earth to save some for himself. By decree, he prepared them beforehand. Even us, whom he what? Verse 24, even us whom he, look at verse 25, those who are not my people I will, say it loud folks, and her who is not beloved I will, huh, huh, God calls people unto himself, amen. Hosea is referenced here, he had three kids, who knows Hosea's kids names, scattered no mercy and not my people. And God called Jezreel, Lo-Ruhamah, and lo Amin to himself. He called them by divine decree. You who are saved are saved because God called you to himself. Got it? Verse 30. The Gentiles... Who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. A righteousness that is by what? Stop it. Election. Right? You guys with me? It's hot. It's humid. I'm going to get that fan going. What does it say in verse 30? A righteousness that is by what? Election, right? It's a trick question. A righteousness that is by? Faith. Faith. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever God elected would be saved would not perish but have eternal life, right? Whoever what? How will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless someone preaches? Romans 10, how is one saved? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, how is a baby believer born? By placing their faith in Christ. Ready? Deep end of the pool. If you're saved, you were saved because God called you. If you are saved, you're saved because you trusted in God. So how's that work? How's that work? I got it figured out. You guys ready? We're ready. See if I find this line. If I don't. We will... As he has willed that we will will, really and without pretense, we are not robots or automata, and we are responsible for what we will, and yet, what we will, he has willed that we should will. Okay, now it's funny, right? But now slow it down and listen to this. We will will, will do what God decreed we will do. Okay? We're not robots. We're not automatic. We are responsible for what we will. No one goes to hell who wants to go to heaven. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All who call out to God will be saved, right? Right. We're responsible for what we will. And yet, what we will, God has willed that we should will it. You ready for this? I want you to go get one of my dogs and explain to them the theory of relativity. They'll look at you like this. (laughs) Kind of like y'all are looking at me. We can't grasp the fullness of divine election and human responsibility, and here's the beauty of it. You don't have to. A baby believer is born by God choosing to call them to himself. How do you know who God has chosen to call? It is those who trust in Christ. Amen? Amen. You walking with me? Not all Israel was really Israel. You remember that from a couple weeks ago? Not all Jews were really Jews. Here's the mystery of Christ being made known. Are there any Jewish believers here? Yeah, at least one. Me. Any others? Uh, No, no. She's smarter than the rest of you. You want to know something? First Peter. Do you know who a true Jew is? If you've trusted in Christ, you a true Jew. You have been adopted into the family of God, and it says right here in the Isaiah passage that God preserved a remnant to proclaim his gospel because if he didn't preserve a remnant you'd never hear the gospel and God saved you to himself to be his children to be true Israel so how's a baby believer born God chooses them how do you know who he's chosen you proclaim the gospel you guys tracking with me here Storks don't bring baby believers. Moon bounces don't bring baby believers. Fun, exciting programs don't bring baby believers. The remnant does, I'm kidding. The gospel brings baby believers through God's calling of them. I'm done. What's it matter though? Why does God share this truth with us? Eternity, man, it's human. Eternity is at stake. Too many people don't know how believers are born. Believers are not born by you praying a prayer. They're not born by you living a good enough life. They're not born by church attendance. They're not born by large sums of money given, though you can try those if you want. New believers are born by God choosing through gospel, the gospel being heard and people responding to it. That's the evidence. Eternity is in the balance if you think you were saved by anything other than God drawing you as evidence through your proclamation. You see how beautiful this is? Eternity hangs in the balance. Humility. Who who, who here has a pride issue? You know why you have a pride issue? You don't understand the gospel. The gospel says you stink more than you realize and God loves you more than you realize. It's hard to look down on someone, when you realize the only reason you're saved is God chose you. That you're no better than anyone else, that you're covered in filth. And it's hard to have an inferiority complex when you understand how God sees you. God chose you. Joy. Eternity. Humility. Joy. Every desire of your heart is satisfied when set in the context of this beautiful gospel. Who here wants security, comfort, acceptance, purpose, delight, wealth, health, eternity? Who wants those? Well, what do you have in Christ? And motivation. God's word has not failed. His word will never fail. You can trust in God's word. Amen? Amen. Why don't you take a minute and think about this? Do we have any Christians here? Mm-hmm. Just me and Suzanne and Rich. Roy, oh, OK. I understand. I'm awkward. I ask too many questions back and forth. You' don't want to just sit and be left alone. Do you understand you ever ask your mom as a little kid? I don't know, maybe Carrie all does this. "Mom, where did I come from?" You know, the, the kid's three, and you're like, "Oh, oh, you know, your dad and I, we love you so much, and God just gave you to us." Right? And then then you go through all the stork stories and stuff. Any Christians here? Do you want to know where you came from? Your heavenly father, before the foundation of the world, decreed that you would be his kid. He decreed that you would trust in Christ because he chose to delight himself in you. Who's got issues? Who's got fears? Who's got stress? If you're a child of God, may I ask why? You have a father who chose you through whom he will be glorified as he cares for you perfectly. The world tells all sorts of stories about how baby Christians are born, and they're all lies. Baby Christians are born by God choosing you to be his child a firstborn son positionally, an heir, a son of primogenitor, do you know that God has tied his joy to your joy? Rest in this a minute. Now, has Jesus come back yet? yet. I'm looking. Do you know why? He's still calling people home. And do you know your evangelism is guaranteed guaranteed to be fruitful because Jesus hasn't come back yet. You are a remnant. You are, we're going to get into this in Romans 10, a gospel proclaiming people. You are guaranteed to be used by God as you walk in his will and part of that in large part is to draw people to himself. The, The kids in the family who haven't come back home yet. In fact, Imagine if there was an adult whose mom or dad never told him how kids were born. And he got married, and he married a lady whose mom or dad never told her how babies were born. And they decided they would have kids. Well, honey, let's have kids. Okay, how do we do it? I think there's a stork. So let's open the windows. Stork never comes. Well, well, let's put candy in the yard, and then a baby will come. Let, well, well, let's just pray hard and, and, and let's act like good parents and, and let's envision a baby. Let's claim a baby. Do you know how you have a baby? Do you all need to talk? Go and make disciples. Jesus said, hey, 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 this is cool. Check it out. Jesus said to his church, go have babies. Go have biblical babies. Go make baby Christians. And I suspect that we live in a time where we've forgotten in the church in the West how babies are born. The stork don't bring biblical babies. The moon bounces don't bring biblical babies. The programs don't bring biblical babies. God does through his gospel. Do you understand how babies are born? Do you want to have babies? Go and make disciples. Go get yourself babies. But you can't do it unless you know how they're born. The gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Romans 1.16, 31 weeks ago we did that. Paul's still driving that point home. As you and I live like gospel people. How do God, we're going to dig into this in Sunday school a bit today. How do gospel people, gospel people live like this. They have crazy parties. Gospel people live like this. Frivolous generosity, it looks like, to the world. We call that biblical hospitality. Gospel people live like this. They love one another, not for an agenda, but for the glory of God. Biblical people live like this. If God ain't for us, we're going to die. If he ain't risen, we are the most foolish of all people. We lay it all in Jesus' hands and we say, Lord, don't let us down. And he says, his word never fails. So, biblical people, understand that your responsibility is to have biblical babies. And you have biblical babies as you pray to the God of sovereign election that he would draw people to himself. And that he would use you in the process as you proclaim his gospel. Don't talk to people about Jesus Tell them who he is and what he did for you and how he did it so they might be born anew. Amen? So y'all thought I was kidding with this biblical birds and bees talk. God's sovereign choice. This is crazy. Some people here might have a cool testimony, right? Mine's half decent. When you grow up as a wealthy Jewish kid, with athletic prowess and about to take over a big family business and and then God saves you and and you you go into ministry and you pastor a church. People are like, wow. Listen, that's not really my testimony. My testimony is this. I was born. You catching this? You know, my my physical testimony goes like this. Man, I am all tied up in this thing today. My physical testimony is September 26, I was in a dark place, and all of a sudden, a knife cut in, and a doctor grabbed me. That's how I was born. My biblical testimony, I was in a dark place, and all of a sudden, a hand grabbed me and pulled me out into the light. What's your testimony? If it ain't the same, you may have have never been truly born. God works through circumstances. Listen, I placed my trust in Christ. In a very real way, I understood who I was on my own. I was a sinful, rebellious, God-hating person. I did not want to do God's will. I wanted God to do my will, and the rest of you too, if we want to be honest about it. But God showed his love for me, and that while I was still a sinner, he let me know that Christ died for me, And he caused me to be born anew as evidenced by me receiving a new heart where I desire even just a little bit at first to glorify God. That's your testimony too. Maybe you didn't come out of a a, a mob family. Maybe you're, you're not a number one draft pick. Maybe your testimony is, I grew up in a Christian home and I have no recollection of a time when I didn't love Jesus. Praise God! Same testimony. Johnny Gambino and, and, and Joe Smith. Christian home, crime family. God saves all sorts of people. But you know how he saved them both? By divine election, through the proclamation of his gospel through a remnant, drawing people to himself as evidenced by them trusting in Christ. Now, The frustrating thing here is you can't manipulate people into the kingdom of God, can you? Nor should you. We're going to talk about success. You hear that noise? It's perfectly timed. What's that noise you hear? Crying baby. You know what that is? That's a sign of life. You know what a church is supposed to look like? A bunch of crying babies. Follow me through here. We should all... Be crying babies, evidencing signs of life. And you know what that crying baby looks like in the life of a believer? Crying out to God, save me, lead me, allow me to glorify you. That's the first sound of life. You know when the babies are born, they come out, you're waiting for that noise, the screaming. Lord, save me. It's a sign of life. Well, Melanie, I hope five years from now doesn't get carried out by Kim crying again, right? She'll walk out crying in five years and then she'll run out and maybe in, in 25 years, if God willing, we still have her with us, she might carry her own crying baby out. My friends, sermon today is quite simple. How are babies born? The biblical birds and bees. And when you understand that, You have joy beyond measure. You have motivation to go and do likewise. And you are equipped to go have biblical babies of your own. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm itching to keep going here. Because as you see, maybe in your Bible in Romans 9.30, it says Israel's unbelief. You guys got that there? Mm -hmm. And you see how it kind of goes through Romans 10.4? I got a whole bunch of stuff right here. I ain't going to do it to you. But I do want to remind you of this. We are back in Romans. I love the book of Romans. And what you're going to see in 9, 10, and 11 is God's plan for Israel. And it's beautiful. And you might want to pay attention if you're saved, because this is your family. And if you're not saved, because this can be your family. But 9, 10, and 11, I think I've said this about every section of Romans so far, but this is a pretty awesome section of scripture. My friends, humility. God saved you. You didn't save yourself. Joy. God, I mean, just chew on this for a minute. God chose you. Doesn't it say right there, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but from the Gentiles. The even us. These vessels of mercy which he has prepared beforehand for glory. You are a vessel of mercy prepared hand. Prepared beforehand for what? I mean, don't miss that last word. Prepared beforehand for what? Glory. Who said his glory? You're right, but you're not fully right. Who else? Remember Romans 7 and 8? Our glory as well. God has saved us that he might glorify us. Us, chew on that a minute. Anybody watch the royal wedding? I'll wrap it up here. Do you know there's only one royal wedding I'm interested in? Revelation 19, I think it is. Yeah, I think there's a reason that, that people get excited to watch a royal wedding. I get depressed when I watch royal weddings. I'm just like, "Dude, man, do you know how much financial equity they have at their disposal?" And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, anyway, I'm like, those jewels are all locked up. They could sell those off and invest in this, but anyway. I think people get excited about royal weddings because listen to this. You were actually made to be a part of a royal wedding. Did, did you know that? Yeah, I mean, stop and think about this. You were made to be a participant in a royal wedding, but listen even closer here now. You don't just have an invitation to the wedding to sit on the side and watch. You are part of the wedding itself. You are the bride of Christ. And one day, right now, Romans 8, Romans 8 tells us that right now we are living in the engagement period where we've received the engagement ring from Christ. Amen? And we await the return of Christ and the consummation of the marriage. You and I have been chosen by God to be married in a royal wedding, to be children of the Most High King, to be heirs of Christ, sons of God, true Israel, co-regents with Christ. You don't like your job right now? Good. You weren't made for that. You were made to reign and rule with Christ. I don't ever see that on a job board. Applicant must be able to reign and rule well over all things. Experience, unnecessary. Sin required must be forgiven. Have you ever seen that resume out there? Yeah. Eternity, humility, joy, motivation. God's word has not failed. Even here in Isaiah, right? The Lord of hosts, I'm down in verse 29. The Lord of hosts, that just means the Lord of everything. Has not If he had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. But it says up in verse 27 in Isaiah, that God left a remnant. And there's a really frightening passage in in Amos 3.12. You ever read Amos? Flip over there and we can wrap it up with this if you like. If you like, everybody's going to vote, see if I'm done. (laughs) Look over at Amos 3.12. Do you know the pressure on me up front if I can't find it? You just say you opened right to it, trying to show off. It says here, Thus says the Lord, as the shepherd rescues from the mouth of the lion two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the people of Israel who dwell in Samaria be be rescued with a corner of a couch or the part of a bed. God has rescued Israel like a shepherd would rescue a little sheep in a lion's mouth. To go back to the owner of the sheep, say, A lion got him, and here's my proof I got a leg. I mean, that's really what this is talking about. And God is saying that he decreed to rescue a remnant of Israel, to draw to himself true Israel for his glory. You have been adopted by the king and made part of his true Israel for all of eternity, so that you might go and have biblical babies for his glory. How do you have a biblical baby? You pray because only God can save people. You proclaim the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. And then you listen for the cry of new life, which is, Lord, save me, help me, a sinner. Go have some babies, folks. It's what we're saved to. Father, we thank you so much, which is such a pathetically inadequate term. But we thank you so much that you chose to save us. Lord, we rejoice in the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We rejoice in the fact that we were one of the children of Hosea with his adulterous wife, Gomer, that we were not your people, that we had no mercy, that we were scattered. But by grace through faith, we are drawn to you we have received mercy, and we become your people. Lord, we live in a world that so easily distracts us from truth. We live in bodies that still have a good amount of humanness in them. And Lord, we pray your help that we might not be conformed to this world, but will be transformed by the renewing of our minds that by testing we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Lord, I pray that we might live as your kids should live, that we would mature well according to your plan and in your power so we don't stay in infancy, but grow into spiritual adulthood. And in the process, Lord, that you might use us to go and make disciples. Lord, we pray for those people in our lives who don't yet know you. The devil will do all he can to keep them from you, but you are far more powerful than he. Lord, we pray for opportunities. I pray, Lord, that you give us, even for the people we prayed for this morning who are suffering that don't yet know you, that you would begin to draw them to yourself, that you would prepare their their hearts to receive your gospel, give them ears to hear and eyes to see, and that we might boldly step into those situations, be guided by you, Holy Spirit, and speak words of life and truth, that we might share the gospel with them and you would save them to yourself. And Lord, how incredible that on the final day, when we face our final job review, if you will, you don't ask us to give us an account for how many Biblical babies we've made, for no one can make a biblical baby on their own. But you call us to faithfulness with the talent you've entrusted to us. Lord, the fact that we have anything entrusted to us by you should be mind-boggling. Lord, help us rest in who we are. Help us to rejoice in the fact that we have peace with God. Help us to marvel in the reality that your word never fails. Help us to to gaze upon the magnificence of you who called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, help us to engage with other believers and share with them the biblical birds and bees talk. Because Lord Jesus, we are left on this earth to glorify you. And we do that in large part by living as your people and proclaiming your excellencies in this time of present grace. Lord, if there are any gathered with us today, either in our presence here physically or listening over the coming days to this sermon who don't yet know you, I pray that you would give them new life in Christ. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring conviction of sin, that you would help them to see very clearly that your command and requirement is that we must love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength perfectly that we must obey you perfectly from a perfect heart and no one can do that on our own. That they would see that on their own because of that what they have earned is death and an eternity separated from you. And that you would not cause them to be confounded by a misunderstanding that you're a cruel God because you'd let people go to hell but rather you would show them your grace and allow them to see the beauty of the fact that you do not delight in the destruction of the wicked but the salvation of the wicked that you would see them that no one goes to hell because you send them there, God. People go to hell because they refuse your offer of grace and mercy and forgiveness through Christ. And Lord, that you would allow those people to be saved by you, that you would cause them to place their trust in you and give it a cry of salvation, Lord. And if any are here today, Lord, I pray that they would speak to someone in here and share with them that good news of salvation. And if any are listening, I pray that they would, they would call or, or Or reach out to a friend who knows Christ and share with them. And Lord, I pray that we would all be reminded of the fact that that was us at one time. And the only difference between a child of yours and a lost child is this beautiful word and truth called grace. Lord, we praise you that we were born anew. We praise you that we can understand the confusion of Nicodemus back in John 3 but we can see beyond the confusion to how a person is born anew. We are born anew by your sovereign election as evidenced through our human responsibility of crying out to you for for salvation. Lord Jesus, we praise you. We love you because you first loved us. And we pray that we might adore you more fully day by day through your power, Holy Spirit, for the glory of our Heavenly Father. In your name we pray. Amen.